As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. We want to thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. We are here with Barry Posner, the professor of leadership at the Levy School of Business and Santa Clara University. He's also the co-author of an award-winning six-time published book called The Leadership Challenge that many of us in this space have read. Um, So it is an honor. Barry has also received the Association for Talent Development's highest award for distinguished contribution to workplace learning and performance and recognized as a top 50 leadership coach in America. Barry, thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. Mike, glad to be with you and your listeners. Well, Barry, what put us together is you were keynoting the March 5th, 2020 Securing the Future Conference with the Leadership Council here in Greater Cincinnati, Ohio. And Jenny Berg was kind enough to ask us to come alongside of her as we did last year when they had Alton Fitzgerald White to interview and introduce the keynote to those who will be in attendance, as well as to those who will follow up on this conference after the event to want to learn more and learn more about you. So it is an honor to be asked to be in that position and to have you with us today. Barry, let's go into a little bit here. I had the opportunity, and we'll put in the show notes the TED Talk that you provided to me in advance impact and opportunity for people to be true, authentic leaders. It sounds like you and your team have done thousands and thousands of points of reference of research around the world. What I was blown away by was how similar, no matter what culture, creed, religion, profession that people were in, that you kept feeling they kept coming back to the same few key areas of leadership Do you mind unpacking that for our audience who's tuning in today? Sure. For more than 30 years, my colleague Jim Kuzis and I have been asking people a very simple but profound question, and that's, so tell us about a time you were at your personal best as a leader. And as you mentioned, those times have transcended time and place and function and geography and culture and background. But what we keep finding is that when we ask people to tell us about those times they've been at their personal best, there seems to be a common set of behaviors that they're engaging in. And that pattern we've called the five practices of exemplary leadership. And briefly, I'll come back and talk about any of these more, but briefly, they involve when we're at our personal best, when we're leading, when we're making a difference, we model the way. We're clear about what our values are, about who we are and what's important to us, and we live those values out. We lead by example. When we're at our personal best, we're inspiring a shared vision. We're actually inspirational, and what that really means is that we're excited and enthusiastic about the future and really about the future possibility, and we do that in such a way that we get other people inspired so that Our view of the future is one that's not, if you will, my view of the future, but it's our view of the future. When people are at their personal best, they're always challenging the process. They're always experimenting. They're taking risks. 
not for the purpose of making mistakes, but for the purpose of learning. And they're creating a sense of momentum, a sense of progress through a series of small wins, a step-by-step process of breaking big projects, which seem overwhelming, breaking them into bite-sized chunks that allow you to kind of finish the whole meal. When people are at their personal best, they also talk about the importance of the team, and we call that enabling others to act. There's a limit to which any of us can do all by ourselves, but in some ways, no limit to what we can do by working together. And the paradox is that leaders turn their followers into leaders by strengthening others, by sharing information and resources, by building relationships and fostering trust. And finally, the fifth practice we called encouraging heart, because when people were at their personal best, they talked about the importance of recognizing both individual achievements and celebrating the victories together as a team, knowing that no individual victory could be accomplished without the efforts of lots of other people. And while this may seem like one, two, three, four, five, there's really a gestalt to all of this when at our personal best, we're doing all of these things as we're moving forward and making progress toward the future. Barry, are there ways to identify where you fall in this equation in terms of strengths and areas that we need to develop in ourselves? Our research suggests kind of in a normative sense, we use an instrument called the Leadership Practices Inventory, which takes a look at what are the behaviors that are associated with these five practices. And what we generally find is simply the more frequently you can engage in these behaviors, the more likely your constituents are to report that they feel engaged and committed in the workplace that they trust you, they feel a sense of team spirit and commitment and motivation. So really the starting point for any of us is the present of where we are today and asking ourselves, whatever it is we're doing in these five practices in these areas, how can we be doing them more frequently? And do you find similarities for individuals? We talk a lot about our focus of helping individuals succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, that it's not all about profession. It's about the life that we live, the impact we can have, the relationships we have. And do you see across the board, whether it's professional or advocational or in our personal relationships, that this is also true? Mike, yes, it is also true. And coming back to the theme of the conference for the Council of Nonprofits, We're really going to be talking about the future, but we get to the future by what it is that we do today. And so I'm going to be talking about the legacy that we leave is the life we lead. And kind of the point of that is that that people do not remember us for what we do for ourselves. They remember us for what we do for them. So relationships become absolutely important. The reason why I want to be in a relationship with you, with someone is because by being in that relationship, I feel like I'm better off than if I was all by myself. I was better off all by myself, but I don't need to be in that relationship. And whether that's one-on-one with a partner or that's a small team or that's even an organization, unless somehow I'm feeling that being in this relationship is one that's going to make me better, that the other party, the individual, the group, the team, the organization has my best interests at heart, If I have the choice, I'm not liable to stay in that relationship very long. And if I have to stay in that relationship, 
I'm not going to do all that I'm capable of doing. I'm not going to give all that I'm capable of giving, and I'm not going to be all that I'm capable of being. Yeah, that is what we find. I mean, we've heard so much from those listening today and those who will listen to this episode, organizations that we speak with and engage with, is that the way you bring out the best in others is to help them be the best they can be. And when they know that you are putting your faith, trust, and investment in them, they naturally find strengths in themselves they never knew they had. And the more we can invest in the lives of others and focus on the legacy, not the immediate impact that we will have, it helps the world become a better place and helps organizations. It's uh, so much data shows that when you do that, your business performs. When you're more inclusive, when you're more invested in others, your business becomes a higher performing organization as well. So that creates a business case, but it also certainly for many of us in the space of leadership know that it's also the right thing to do. Sure. And you know, Mike, when we think about legacy, it forces us to think about the actions we take today in kind of a larger context. And it requires us to think about, you know, our appreciation for others because none of us are the sole inhabitants of our organizations or our communities. We don't live by ourselves. So it requires us to take responsibility for our actions, knowing that they have consequences. The scouts have a model, kind of a camping model that sort of says something about, let's leave the campsite a little bit better as a result of you being here. If we adopted that kind of viewpoint in our lives, we could think about the choices we have to make every day. We could say, hey, I'm only here for myself, so I won't bother to clean up the campsite or put out the fire because, well, I'm not going to be back here again. I'll just move on to something else. Why should I care? Or we could say, hey, you know, there'll be other people who want to use this campsite after I'm done here. And what can I do to ensure that their experience here is even better than the one that I have? Mm. And if we think about leaving the campsite a little bit better, then it compels us to take actions to make it better. And that's why we sometimes say that thinking about our legacy means dedicating ourselves to making a difference not just working to achieve fame and fortune. It also means appreciating that others will inherit whatever it is that we leave behind. Yeah, and I, I'm certain you've probably felt this in many cases, but I want to pose it as a question. Getting people to think beyond the short term. Have you spent much time there with your leadership coaching and the work that you've done to help get people out of the mindset that short term, because we so many organizations and people have been trained to think about the quarter, the short term versus true legacy means it lives on when you're gone. The challenge is not kind of an either or, it's an and both. We live in the present, but people who make a difference and people who think about exercising leadership are asking the fundamental question of sort of why. They're asking a fundamental question of, well, what am I doing? Whatever it is I'm doing today, why am I doing that? And what's the purpose? What's the meaning behind it? Where is it taking us? There's a, a sports analogy with a hockey player, Wayne Gretzky, who once said something like, I always skate to where I think the puck will be. And hockey, like so much of life, it's a continuous sport. You don't it's not a stop and start kind of sport. So mm -hmm. you have to kind of take actions today where you think it's going to take you into the future. You won't always be right. And that's a, you know, we could 
veer off on a tangent to talk about kind of the self-confidence, the willingness to learn from experience. Because if you're not willing to learn from experience, then oftentimes you're just paralyzed doing what you already know how to do. And doing what you already know how to do doesn't get you any further than where you are today. Mm. Getting yourself further than where you are today requires you to do things that you're not doing today. And there's no freeway to the future. And whether we talk about this at an individual level or a group or organizational level, it's the same metaphor. That's excellent. And I think we could challenge those who are listening in today and those who will be attending the Secure in the Future conference to write down a couple of those things, right? What do you know you should be doing differently or putting more emphasis on both today for the short term, but the exercises of thinking about our legacy helps us also focus on the long term. And I love the phrase, the life that you lead is the legacy you leave. The life that you lead is the legacy that you leave. And thinking about that as you frame up for this conference, as you frame up for this episode, as the variety of outstanding books that you've written in your career, getting people to think about that does just what you said. It talks about both the short and the long game, which both are equally as important. Yeah. And in framing it up, Mike, you know, sometimes people ask us, well, kind of where does leadership begin? And our answer to that question is it really begins inside of you. It begins with trying to figure out for yourself, what do you care about? What's important to you? What would you be willing to sacrifice? What would you be willing to give up in order to potentially get something else? Because to do something different, which is really what leadership is all about, to do something different means you're going to have to typically stop doing something that you're doing now. It's interesting when you look up the word passion in the dictionary. And oftentimes people speak of leaders as passionate about a cause or issue or about a product or a service. One of the origins of the word passion is to suffer. And I guess any of us who ever been in love understands what it means to suffer in the sense of caring more about somebody else than you care about your own self. You say to the Lord, take something from me in order to not take it from my partner, my spouse, my kids, my organization. And that's just a recognition that comes back deep inside of you. So what do you care about? What do you care enough about that you'd be willing to do something? Because, gosh, there's no shortage of opportunities to make a difference, large and small. Just listen to all the things people complain about. If you took those from another perspective, that's all an opportunity. I complain. You and I complain about something. And when we say, well, why doesn't somebody do something about it? And leadership involves sort of, well... I'll be that somebody. Yes. Yes. I say many times, if not you, who, if not now, when, right? And it's what leads most individuals with that particular area of passion. Some would say the word's overused. I would argue that when you feel it for something, it's worth using again, because when individuals are passionate and are willing to do something that no one else has and to try something that no one else will it creates a significant impact in the world and lives around us. Mary, so we talk a lot at the Talent Magnet Institute with our guests around reframing success and leadership. And for us, again, that has meant reframing this word, attaching success and leadership, those two words together, aren't as holistic as they should be, in our opinion, right? We see a rise in struggles with mental health and anxiety and depression 
in the quote-unquote leadership world. I would argue it's everywhere, but we're trying to help unpack that to say if you have healthy relationships in your lives and you have 3 a.m. friends and you have people you can turn to and you are someone who people turn to and can trust and can rely on and that is credible, that in and of itself can change your attitude towards the struggles that you're facing in this world. Are there any thoughts as you have went through, again, the amount of times you've talked to audiences and you've coached leaders and you've coached executive teams and inspired audiences, are there aspects that you hear that, boy, we've got to reframe that? We've got to get people thinking differently, people getting past certain barriers in order to really allow their leadership and impact to shine. Anything there that you might share with our audience? Well, in an organizational sense, it's getting people close to the end user, to the customer, to the client. I'm watching a TV show the other night, a medical TV show, and the medical director wants the physicians to stop looking at their tablets as they're talking with patients and look at the patients in the eyes, wanting to get that connection. It's the difference at an individual level of talking about families that's different for people who have children and people who don't have children. It's not just working on a marketing campaign or a financial system, a software program. It's putting yourself in the perspective of the person who's going to enjoy this product or benefit from this service. It comes back to answering that question of, well, why should I care about what it is that I'm doing? And it's quite simple. People who don't care about what they're doing don't do as good a job as they're capable of. And that's just logical. If I don't care about it, if I don't care what the house looks like, then I don't keep it clean. If I don't, if I care about it, then I behave differently. And that's why I think it's important when we're doing leadership workshops, we typically begin with kind of exploring the inner territory with helping people understand. So what are your values? What are the things you say are important? How do you spend your time? Because that's one of the ways you put your values into practice. And are you spending your time in ways that are consistent with what you say your values are? And if not, well, what do you want to do about that disconnect? Right. Well, and I love the point that when people care about something, I'll say when they care about it, they care about it. Like it matters to them how it improves, how it looks, how it feels, the impact that it makes, and what a great aspect for teams, for building teams, whether athletically or professionally, for the teams that are going to be attending the Securing the Future Conference on March 5th. We want our teams to care, not just about the paycheck that they're collecting, but the impact that they're making. And when we can start building that, and they only do that if they believe and trust in you, the leader, or you, the leaders that are around them, and they know that you care about them, right? So what a great call to action for us to think about as we uh, walk in this journey of leadership. Well, absolutely, Mike. And I can think about all those nonprofit organizations in particular, and I've served on the boards of many of them. And the ones that are most successful at the board level, you're oftentimes thinking about lofty organizational issues. But periodically, the successful executive director will bring in people who the organization is serving so that you can see the connection between why should you care at the board level of what the marketing brochure looks like or how much you're paying on rent or whatever the lofty organizational issue should be. Why should you care about those? 
only in the sense that caring about those will eventually help you to better serve this segment of society, this need in the community. And you got to make sure that there's not a disconnect between those two things. Yeah, that's wonderful. So the Securing the Future Conference, for those who have never attended that conference, and for those who aren't going to be in greater Cincinnati on March 5th, one of the things that we want to do is both bring the leadership impact that this conference has to all of those audiences. This podcast has reached now 90 countries, high concentration in Europe, all 50 states in the United States. But for those, again, who aren't going to be able to attend and wondering, what is this conference? So it is put on by the Leadership Council for Nonprofits. It's a annual half-day conference. I happen to be speaking to a leader just this morning, the day that we're recording this episode, and she told me that she treats it as her half-day first quarter retreat every year. It's a way for her to get out, to think, to reflect, to be challenged, to put some game plans on the rest of the year, and she's a CEO of her organization that she leads. So this conference is dedicated to building strategic leadership and resource development skills of the board, staff, and donors of nonprofits in the greater Cincinnati community. It's a great model for those who don't have something like this in their city. It is certainly worthy of looking into at the leadershipcouncil.us is the website. And I know that Jenny Berg, who is the leader in charge of this organization, has been a wonderful partner and connection and friend of our organizations over the years and is always willing to help others. If there's someone who's listened to this from another city that would love to be able to bring a similar model, for those attending, the opportunity to attend Barry Posner's talk on the life you lead and the legacy you leave is going to hopefully help us rise up to the occasion of the true impact we have in leadership. And then there's breakout sessions. There's Leadership Legacy Awards. There's also, Barry, you're hosting a fireside chat for final Q&A, which I think is going to be outstanding for those who want to be able to ask more and engage further. Barry, in your experience with the books that you have, I don't know if the books will be on sale at the conference for you or not, but we certainly want to drive people to a few of your key impactful publications here. Can you share with us a little bit around what it has been like for you as a leader who's now on the sixth edition of the Leadership Challenge? What has that journey been like for you? Sure. When you were describing the executive that you spoke with today, it reminded me of of what we've been talking about in the sense that nobody's really coming to this seminar or listening to this podcast in order to make me look good. They're coming in order, if you will, to see if there's something that I can do to make them look good, Mm. to be more effective, to be more successful. And that's the leadership attitude. You're really asking yourself, what can I do for others? And in the journey that my colleague Jim Kuzis and I have been on since the early 1980s, that's kind of what we can continue to aspire to do, is to continue to learn. I mean, we started in the 80s asking people to tell us about their personal best leadership experience. And I have an MBA class tonight, the first session of the class tonight, and it begins with the students talking about their personal best leadership experiences. And from that, we asked a couple important questions. One that I think is interesting is that we've 
talked to thousands of people over nearly 40 years, and everybody's had a story to tell us. And whether they're teenagers or senior citizens, tall or short, thick or thin, blue or green people, everybody's got a story to tell us. And so I say, well, that's interesting. And that's an important kind of empirical fact. And then we ask the question, and the stories that people tell us, their experiences, their actions and behaviors, are they mostly similar things that people are talking about doing, or are they all quite unique and not very similar at all? And what we find are these two empirical global findings. Everybody's got a story to tell, and the stories that they tell, the actions and behaviors are more similar than they are different. And that continues to reinforce for us an ongoing message, and that is that everybody is capable of leadership, that leadership is not a selection problem. It's not like some people have it and some people don't. The point of view is that that everybody's capable of leadership, and it's not so mysterious and ethereal and esoteric that we can't get our arms around it. In fact, we know what leadership looks like. We know what the behaviors are that people engage in when they're leading. And knowing that gives us the confidence that leadership's a skill. And then if we say it's a skill, well, then like any skill, you can get better at it. You get better at it because you want to get better at it. You get better at it because you get good coaching. And here's a plug by your podcast. You listen to Mike and other people like this. You read books, you go to workshops, you go to seminars, you work on getting better, and you practice and you get feedback on how you're doing. Without feedback on how you're doing, you're liable to just one year's worth of experience repeated 20 times rather than 20 years of experience because you keep growing, because you keep finding out how you're doing and then doing something different in order to be better than you were before. Wow. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that, Barry. I do encourage those listening to take notes, right? Take note of the topic and content that we're sharing, but also take some notes. Think about your journey that you're on. Think about the impact that you have. Think about what you know you need, want, and should do differently and also celebrate what you know and you hear that you're doing really well because we're all doing things well, right? We can take each day and think about all of the things we wish we could improve on. And that's our natural tendency. I love, Barry, when we do executive 360s for leadership teams. Without fail, the first thing that people focus on is what they're not doing well. And Ultimately, a big part of 360s is to actually hear, learn, and celebrate what we are doing well while gaining feedback from really how we make other people feel based on the way that we lead. But there's all wonderful things that we're doing well. And anytime we get a team together, we really want to celebrate that. We have an exercise where we walk leaders through, here's the strength and here's what I enjoy. Now, all of you in the room share an experience that you've had with this person that really highlights and reflects that particular strength that this leader's proud of. And without fail, it creates a very emotional discussion because so many people are not accustomed to celebrating what they do well. Meanwhile, I love the comment that you make around the skills and around the working that muscle, working the leadership muscle, strengthening the leadership muscle, 
no matter where you are in the world, we all have the ability to strengthen that muscle. And I would encourage everyone to grab a copy of the Leadership Challenge. Barry, you've also produced several other books, The Truth About Leadership, I know is a book that I've read. And are there others, Barry, that you would point us to that you've had the opportunity of publishing over the years? Well, in our book, The Truth About Leadership, we take 10 truths, 10, we call them kind of no fads, facts you need to know, part of the matter, things to appreciate, many of which we've already spoken about today. You can't do it alone. Challenge is the opportunity for greatness. We wrote a book called Learning Leadership a few years ago that is kind of in the Star Wars analogy. It's a precursor to the leadership challenge. It's about how you prepare yourself to learn to be a leader. If the leadership challenge is about what you do when you're leading, then then learning leadership is about how you develop a culture of leadership for yourself individually or for your organization. And apropos, Mike, to what you're just talking about, the book that we're currently working on, still working on the title of the book, but our working title is simply Leadership is Everyone's Business. And it's a book aimed at an audience for the majority of people who have no direct reports. They might even have a title of manager, but they manage things. They don't manage people. But in order to make the thing work, they've got to be able to get other people to work on their thing. So they're product managers, they're, they're program managers, they're system managers, or they're volunteers. They're a little league coach. They're the president of the PTA Kiwanis Rotary Club. Nobody has to do what they ask them to do because they're a direct report. So leadership is everybody's business. And again, this notion, uh, the question you haven't asked me, but it's kind of been lingering around here, is a question we're often asked, and that is, are leaders born or are leaders made? And over the years, we've been able to inclusively, empirically answer that question. And the evidence is overwhelming. In fact, without exception, I can tell you that all leaders are born. And if you chuckle at that for a moment, what it's a reflection is that leadership is already something that everybody has kind of within them, has some capability within them. And the question is, what do we do with that skill? In the same way that everybody can throw a baseball or everybody can sing, some people may naturally at birth have some talents. It's normally distributed. Not everybody's got the same talent, but everybody can take the talent and skill that they have and they can improve it. And one of the things that I think we talk about in the book, Learning Leadership, are some of the myths regarding developing your ability as leadership. And one of those myths is the fact that somehow you either have it or you don't. And we really take exception to that. You have it. Now the question is, what do you want to do with it, with the leadership skills that you have? I love just the catch and pause on what you said, that all leaders are born but what do you do with those talents and abilities and investing in? And I would say in some cases, how many talents and abilities do we see in others, but don't highlight? So then they never actually see it in themselves. I know I find that a lot in leadership that just by going to someone on the team or someone that you serve alongside of, or that you see or observe that moment of reflection of telling them how great of an impact that they've had how great of a skill that they bring that they may not even recognize that every time they're in the room, 
when they ask a certain question or think a certain way, that that actually is bringing light to the rest of us and how we as leaders also need to take accountability to create that impact on the lives of others just by being an encourager sure, and highlighting good. Yeah, that leadership practice we call encourage the heart. It follows quite simply from sort of basic psychological principles of reinforcement. If you don't reinforce what people are doing, I sometimes ask this question to an audience around the world. I ask, how many of you like to be taken for granted? You know, raise your hand. And no one raises their hand. No one wants to be taken for granted. Most of us, in so many ways, are taken for granted. And in building a relationship with others, we really gravitate to those people who appreciate both who we are and what we do, but mostly appreciate us for who we are. And in appreciating us for who we are, we're probably going to be able to, in the relationship, give more than we might otherwise give. Barry, I can't wait for our team to shake your hand on March 5th when you're here for the Leadership Council for Nonprofits Securing the Future Conference. Let's say one particular thing. What type of executive call to action would you put forth to our listeners, to those who are attending, to those who will hear this episode weeks and months after that March 5th date? What's one challenge that you could put in front of us to help us be better versions of ourselves? Well, I mentioned I'm going to start my class this evening by asking them this question, a question about what's the most audacious assumption you can make when it comes to leadership. And they'll have a number of suggestions, but I will eventually say, here's the one that I want you to think about. And then as I want you to think, the most audacious assumption you can make and the most important assumption you can make is the assumption that you matter, that you make a difference. Because without having that belief in yourself, if you don't believe that you matter and that you make a difference, then you're not likely to speak up. You're not liable to stand up. You're not liable to raise your hand. You're not liable to speak up. And even when you have good ideas, you'll silence yourself. So the first person that's got to follow you is you. And the first person that's got to believe in you is you. And so what is it that you need to do to see yourself as worthy, your opinions to be worthy, so that you are willing to, you're not going to be right all the time, but that you're willing to share yourself and your thoughts with others and to share your observations about the accomplishments of others. Hmm. So that's what I'd ask you to think about. That's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I hope again that all of us take note, that all of us take note here of what we're responsible for, right? We're first responsible for ourselves. We're first responsible for accepting our strengths and leading ourselves well. And we need to lead ourselves well before you can lead others well. And Barry, thank you for hitting on that point for those that are listening. Again, Barry and I would both encourage you to take some notes from this episode, even if it's only writing one sentence to yourself and something to reflect on, celebrate both your strengths, your natural gifts, and what you can do tomorrow to help others identify experience and bring out theirs as well. So again, we want to thank our partner for this episode, the Leadership Council for Nonprofits. We hope to see everyone at the Securing the Future conference on March 5th in Greater Cincinnati. Barry's topic is going to be the life you lead and the legacy you leave. Barry Posner, thank you so much for being our guest today on this episode, and we look forward to our next conversation. 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity.